Hi, Michaela. Hi, Steve. Today we're going to answer a viewer question that was left in the comments of episode 76, How Do I Know If He's Right For Me? And here's the question. I found this a really insightful episode, as always. I would love for you to explore this some more as I really value your perspective. What would you say to women, specifically, who are seeking relationships but struggling to feel hopeful about meeting someone slightly later on in life? Late 30s, early 40s. How can we cultivate feelings of hopefulness and possibility within a culture that often suggests it should have happened by 28? There can be a great feeling of grief involved in seeing people around you meeting partners relatively easily, not necessarily doing any more than you to meet people. And sometimes it can feel quite shameful to openly say that it feels really hard to remain unpartnered if that's what you so want. It almost feels unfeminist. So there's a few layers in there that we can unpack separately, and then we'll come back to the question uh, in itself, right? And so one of the layers, of course, is um, the last thing the, the questioner asked which or said, which is it's kind of unfeminist uh, and a bit shameful to say that one isn't partnered and would like that, right? And I think there's something important in there to be said to begin with, which is... Um, there is still a lot of dogma and stigma, you know, in all different layers of, let's say, societal consideration around specifically, well, it's not, I was going to say around specifically women, but it's actually not true because there's also something in when men are unpartnered at a certain age. So, but I'll, I'll talk about women first. And, and that is that, of course, some people feel that if you are not with a partner, there must be something wrong with you. And some people feel that if you're not uh, married and, and uh, have children by the time you are, you know, in your early 30s, there's something wrong with you and you're not doing your part for society. And then, of course, as she was saying in the feminist aspect, right, there's people who say, well, what do you need a partner for to begin with? Uh, specifically, what do you need a man for to begin with? And, uh, you know, you can do everything yourself and you could have children by, you know, sperm donor uh, or adopt them or whatever. So, you you know, you, you don't have to do that. So there's this wide range of uh, opinion. And most of those opinions are based on, you know, projections of people's different values, meaning some people value family and relationship and children from a societal viewpoint. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just one viewpoint. Some people value relationship and, let's say, the erotic explorations that come within relationship as something that's very important to them as kind of almost... Um, you know, a reason for living and a lifestyle choice and things like that. But they don't value children that much, let's say, right? Then there's people who value um, long-term committed relationship. There's people who value kind of more, let's say, um, alternative ways of being within relationship. And then there's people who go, well, I don't really need one. I don't want one. There's too many downsides I can um, you know, I can do without, and then they project that on someone. So I'm saying this to say, because our questioner said, well, it feels a bit shameful. And that depends, of course, where you stand and with whom you talk, because different people have different ideas about that. So uh, the important thing to say is it, it has to be um, her choice, what she wants for her life. And, um, 
that's sometimes a bit hard to stick by because it can run uh, against other people's ideas, right? And so to the question, I want to just say that um, there's nothing shameful about not having found your partner yet, right? And there's nothing shameful about wanting a partner. It's the most natural and um, kind of, let's say, developmentally and biologically correct thing to feel. And if that's what you want to do, then that's okay. There's no shame in feeling like you want a partner, you want to share your life with someone, and you don't want to do it alone. And on the other hand, if you decide you don't want that, or it's not available to you for the price that takes, right? Because that's the next thing, then that's also okay. And the more you are able to uh, articulate that for yourself, the more you can, of course, also be around that with other people. So that's one thing, right? Now we look at why do people very often nowadays not have a life partner in their late 30s, beginning 40s, or haven't found the right person or are already divorced from their first uh, you know, supposed life partner. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one being that we have a lot more options and we have a lot more um, variety and ability out there in the world. And we also have a lot more ability to forge our own path. And of course, the more you forge your own path and the more you become a kind of a fully formed human being, independent of a relationship in your 20s, the, the less likely you're going to be to compromise just to get a partner because you have distinctions and you have criteria and you know yourself better and you probably also have better boundaries and you're better equipped to actually make a choice around uh, being in the kind of partnership that is ultimately good for you. So that's the plus side. The same things are also the negative side, so to speak, because of course, um, a lot of people report that when they uh, get married and have children in their 20s, um, they kind of grow up and uh, and kind of bond with their partner in a different way because there's still a forming of the human while relationship is formed and while children are being raised, which for a lot of people tends to be easier. Uh, but then, of course, as they're fully formed and fully grown up and um, and kind of know who they are, often those relationships, not always, but often those relationships break up because it's irreconcilable at that point, meaning to two people want very different things later in life. So it's not a uh, one thing is better than the other. Uh, it's just a matter of what is it that you want for your life, right? And if your aim is to have, as you know, a, a few children with somebody early on, raise them, and then maybe do something else with your life, that's one decision versus forming yourself, having a career, finding out who you are, making a meaningful contribution in life through your creative or business output. That's another way to go. So it's not wrong to not have found a partner and form the family at that age that she is talking about. But it certainly means it's a bit harder in the context of you're not going to go with the first guy who comes along who looks remotely uh, good. <laughs> you know, And also the material um, 
you know, the dating material out there is a bit different, of course, at that age. So while I don't think by any means it's hopeless, um, because she was saying she needs to cultivate hopefulness, it's definitely not hopeless. And it's definitely not one of those things where because you haven't done it now, it's over. But it certainly requires a bit more um, dedication and skill and focus simply because it's not uh, the kind of environment anymore anyway. You know, this is I just talked with a woman yesterday who's 24 and complaining about the same things, meaning dating apps and meeting uh, guys on dating apps is not giving her the, the kind of um, exposure to the kind of men she wants to be with. And, um, and then interestingly enough, her girlfriend, who was 26, who was sitting next to her, was saying that um, she's with a woman and she had the same issue. She couldn't find anyone who wanted to commit to her. And, uh, you know, most women her age wanted to play the field while she wanted to settle down. So it's, you know, it, it's it's a moment in time and culture where there is so much available and there are so many options. And so there's a lot of people who want different things than what you might want. So the clarifying of what you want is one thing that's very important. And then uh, we've talked about this before, but I want to say that here as well is then knowing whom you want is important via knowing what you want. So if you first need to know what you want, that determines whom you want. And then that determines if that person lines up with who you are. And that is kind of the the, the reverse engineering of the situation where essentially uh, your desire uh, determines the kind of person who would meet that desire that determines the kind of um, skills and, and uh, let's say, abilities that that person would need for the kind of relationship she wants. And then the next step is, are you the kind of person who would attract such a person? And are you sending the right signals and doing the right things and being in the right places where you can meet such person? That's the, the, the backward chain. And then, of course, on a whole other level, um, when we talk about hopefulness and, um, uh, you know, uh, believing that it can happen, I think it's also important to um divorce oneself from the idea that there's one perfect person uh, from, you know, which all the goodness in a relationship can come and really understand that probably, um, you know, there's some compromise that needs to be made simply because humans are complicated and simply because, you know, we're all not that perfect. So that's the other piece is that there's the ideal scenario and the ideal person. And then there's kind of a willingness to maybe step back from a few of those things that can be compromised upon, but not others, right? So maybe you're not going to get a, an unmarried multi-billionaire, uh, tall, dark, handsome, mysterious man who's never been with another woman before, but has all the experience. Um, you know? And, uh, and, and it's going to look a slightly different. And that's also very, very important is to kind of, um, you know, give up the fairy tale ideal and go with what would make an ideal and realistic pairing. I wonder if you might comment on some of the specifics you discussed 
knowing what you want and just starting from there and then knowing by extension who you want and so on and so forth. I can think of some rather mundane examples, the sort of lifestyle one enjoys. Do you want to be a homebody person? Mostly being at home in your downtime with your partner, for example, this partner you're seeking. Or are you an outside kind of person? If so, what sort of outside? Hiking? Do you like going to concerts and so on? What's the rhythm of life that you enjoy? Because while it can be exciting to do the opposite of what one tends to do, over time, and I wonder if you agree with this, over time it, it, it tends to have it tends to be useful to have some sort of a, a match there. Or or perhaps even contrasts that allow for each other. So how do you how do you navigate that kind of thing? Yeah, I think you're making a good point there that also leads us to the kind of behavior that attracts the kind of person that you ultimately want to end up with, right? So um, in the discovering what kind of relationship somebody wants, there is, of course, very specific markers, right? And so some of the markers are, do you want children or not? Of course, right? Do you want a monogamous relationship or not? Uh, do you want a long-term relationship or not? So those are those are the big ones, right? And then underneath that, of course, are values, very specific values. Um, if you are, uh, you know, devout in in some religion, is that you know, you, is that a marker in the relationship, uh, or do you have very specific? ideas both ideologically or lifestyle you know i'm thinking about being a vegan or um you know having certain kind of ideas of how life should be lived that are important in the way that they're non-negotiables if they're not met right so um that's that those are the big the big markers of what does somebody want and then underneath that of course um, we have to say that we've talked about this many, many times. There's a there's what makes the the let's say erotic or sexual attraction interesting, and then there is what makes for a good harmonious long term relationship, and they're different things. And so when we look at finding a life partner or wanting to be in a dedicated relationship, the next layer of consideration is: Do you have enough in common? Right. And that's what you're talking about is essentially, are you um, both interested in some of the same things that you can pursue together long after the first wild infatuation has passed? Right. Can you actually agree on a lifestyle? Like you said, I mean, some people, they just love being home on a Saturday evening and hanging out and watching a show and whatever, sitting in a hot tub, seeing the stars, any of those kind of things, reading a book to each other or with each other. Right. And then there's other people who want to be out on the town and they want, you know, whatever, partying or. Yes. <laughs> All kinds of things. So yeah, so there's big, big differences that in 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 basic in or let's say in there's differences in how one can spend a life with somebody else. And when there's too much of a of a difference, then often that doesn't work for the long-term relationship. But often the, the really, really tricky part, and this brings us to why do women sometimes date. Uh, men and why also do men date women that that then ultimately turn out to not match and one of the horrible horrible things about what we just talked about is that of course that massive difference in opinion and that difference in lifestyle and the difference of orientation makes for great erotic friction 
And very often that excitement is um, misconstrued as a soulmate or, you know, long-term stuff. And it's actually not, it's just um, opposites attract, right? Makes for uh, a great erotic excitement. And then when, when it comes down to the nitty gritty of the relationship, that erotic friction, it's called erotic friction for a reason, friction as in friction, right? Uh, not only friction of two bodies together, but friction as in disagreement. The disagreement or the strangeness or the not being matched makes for that excitement. And then that, of course, in the long term, doesn't work while having some common values and some common goals uh, does work a long time. So when you say things like like lifestyle or you know outdoor versus homebody, that's actually an important determination to make early on. And as a matter of fact, while you were asking me this question, I remembered <laughs> we have an entire uh, compilation of questions that I have uh, compiled over you know twenty five years of working with couples and individuals on determining. Uh, relationship uh, goals, and it's called the Relationship Discovery Toolkit. And it's an, an entire collection that somebody can sit down and answer so that they can actually determine all of these things in all different domains, from lifestyle to, um, you know, orientation to spiritual things to um, very basic things. So that's super, super important. And then the thing that I wanted to say in the context of the erotic, right? While sometimes, or why sometimes, the thing that I wanted to say in the context of the erotic and why sometimes we always attract these amazing erotic, you know, sexually charged um, beginnings and then it fizzles out or it doesn't actually match up is that often that's, of course, what we put the most value on because that's the excitement that's how that's kind of the marker of oh there's something happening between two people that that you know that erotic spark so the the way to determine if the erotic spark can go further and if the relationship can go deeper is to have those conversations as the all other kind of interesting stuff is going on and not after Right. And it's also important to see the markers of someone for who they are and not just get completely blinded into that, you know, initial flurry of wild erotic um, excitement. And then furthermore, and this goes more into the dating aspect of how do you find a partner at that age, um, you know, and and uh, and going onwards is that essentially you have to lead with different things than you did in your 20s. And that's very hard for a lot of people because um, we have learned to lead with the thing that is, is supposedly the greatest value, which is that sexy, sparkly, you know, hot, amazing thing. And of course, when one wants to attract a, par attract a partner, it's important to bring some of that into the mix, but uh, it's not the thing to lead with anymore if you want um, something different, right? If you essentially show up at a date um, looking like you're good with a roll in the hay, then there's a fairly good chance you're gonna get a roll in the hay, but 
maybe not with the person with a person with whom you're long-term compatible. And that is why often people say things like don't have sex on the first date and all of that. And that's not kind of a religious statement, right? It's just a, um, you want to see if there are other things there, if you want the relationship to go somewhere else. Of course, if you don't want the relationship to go somewhere else, or you, you know, are willing to kind of chance it for a little while, um, that's perfectly fine. But if you are very specific about wanting to find somebody with whom to have a long-term serious relationship, it's probably a good idea to um, change strategy on, on dates as well a bit. Uh, doesn't mean you have to show up buttoned up to here and not flirt, but you know, there's there's layers of how can unpack one's personality and and also the layers of how can one relate with a partner, right? And it's also true, um, you know, the other way around because uh, there's guys who, out there who want very specific things and they meet a woman. This happens a lot and we hear this a lot, right? And she presents herself to be the kind of woman that he wants, like you were saying, for instance, outdoorsy, adventurous, wants to go somewhere else every weekend, be out there in the woods hiking. And, you know, the guys get very excited. Get excited. It feels like they found somebody with whom they can, like, share that kind of adventure. And that, of course, makes the adventure so much better. And then eventually down the line, he finds out that really she doesn't like those things as much as he thought. And she was just molding herself to his specifications because she wanted him to want her. And that, of course, is always such a horrible thing because suddenly you're in the situation where you've connected and you've bonded and whatever. And then you find out that essentially what was told that this person is about is really not what this person is about. Right? It can go both ways because sometimes you you hear from women that the guys sound like they really want to commit and have children and whatever, and then they lose interest, you know, but then you also a lot of times hear that women portray this very adventurous or very specific kind of um, view of themselves to get the guy, and then it turns out they're really not about that, even in the domain of children and, and long-term relationship, right? Where they say that that's what they want, but when it really comes down to it, um, the, the, the signs are not such. So those are just some thoughts on um, portraying yourself as who you really are and not bending um, you know, who you are into some kind of a pretzel to attract somebody who isn't going to be happy with who you really are because they thought you were somebody different. And I think that goes both ways. Yeah, sooner or later, they're going to meet the real you. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is easy, especially when dating. Uh, you know, part of dating is, is trying new things, meeting new people. And, and part of relationships sometimes is discovering something that you wouldn't naturally do and, and perhaps finding finding some uh, a, a new a new interest perhaps or a, a new a, a new frequency of, of experience that one's not used to and so i think that's one of the reasons the relationship discovery toolkit is so good because those it's a it's a series of questions you work through and it's all laid out in the learning platform it helps you first of all clarify who you are and what you're looking for it also though helps you stay on track when you're 
beginning to get into dating and beginning to uh, enter perhaps even to, into a relationship, you can revisit those questions and go through them again and, and, and filter the, the relationship through that lens so that you're not in, you know, trying new things, having new experiences, it's all part of dating. You're not at the same time losing touch with the core or foundational, um, non-negotiable if you want, um, aspects as well. Because actually there's a lot of wiggle room. Uh, there's a lot of wiggle room in, in, in life configuration, but there are some things that are ones, if you want, home base that aren't likely to change. Uh, you can do the adventurous thing for a while, but eventually you're going to get tired out doing it. You're going to get tired out doing it. Um, wow. And you're going to come back to your home base again. You know, so uh, likewise, if you're not a homebody, you know, if you like to be out there doing things uh, eventually and you're at home at first, it's, it's wonderful, new partner, etc. But eventually you're going to you're going to get the uh, desire to to go out again and and have adventures and so on. So these sorts of things are whilst one can engage in and indulge the opposite. It's important to know where you sit. And there's a lot of questions like that. We've just honed in on one, one aspect. Uh, it's all laid out in the Relationship Discovery Toolkit. I'll link that in the show notes below, of course, and it can be found also at michaelabohm.com. So, Michaela, do you have any final thoughts or reflections on this particular question before we end the podcast? Um, yes. <laughs> I just want to say to the questioner and anybody else who is in that kind of situation that uh, you definitely don't want to lose hope because there is always people um, available and out there for relationships and dating. And there's a lot more people who want, um, you know, the kind of depth of, of engagement and connection that you might want than you might know. So it's definitely not, not uh, you know, one of those things where you have to give up. And as you were asking me this and I was talking, I was remembering uh, my first neighbor in LA. I think I've talked about her once before. Um, in my first house in, in West Hollywood, I lived next to a woman who was in her late 80s and uh, her name was Leah and uh, she had a husband and the husband had Alzheimer's and uh, was very sad and you know he was just gone but she took care of him and um, she still had somewhat of a life in the sense that she would go to the community center and she'd go square dancing and playing cards and she always had her girlfriends over and she's very active and and doing a lot of stuff and then eventually her husband died and um, she was 90 at that point and within six months there's this moment and it, it I mean it's like seared in my memory because it was so hilarious and so strange the Sears truck pulls up these were these little bungalows right? it's very close together the Sears truck pulls up out come two guys they walk into the house out comes the two single beds of uh their you know their bedroom um with like these brass heads and whatever and they get pulled out and then the Sears truck unpacks a brand new massive double bed and drags it into the house and sets it up and then a few days later her new boyfriend moved in and so she uh, found a guy at square dancing who was I think 94 and uh, he moved in. She got herself a new double bed and off she went into a new relationship. 
at at 91 and 94 and uh, I left there they were still going strong and um and having a nice life and walking together on the sidewalk holding hands and chatting and it was really really sweet so uh you know Martin Shaw always says um never give up on love and I think that's definitely true uh, and that's my final uh, remarks here well thank you very much Michaela thank you Steve <laughs>